Hey everyone, how are you? Can't even see us, it's all so bright now with all these new lights. All right. Sort of feel like the sermon's almost been done with Graham and Mark and their excellent job. Are you guys all right to keep going? Everyone's all right? Yeah. I think, like Paul, what did he preach? At two in the morning or early hours of the morning and that guy fell out the window? I'll try not to be like that though. Hello to everyone online as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to us. I just want to say a prayer before we start, if that's all right. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you are the great God, that you are so good to us in so many ways. And as I preach this word tonight, I just pray, God, that your words can come out of me, that uh, my inadequacies, my misunderstandings, all of that stuff will be taken away and just your message will get through tonight. We just release your Holy Spirit to do your work in this place this night. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the passage for tonight's sermon is from Luke. It's Luke 6, if you want to read it yourself. There will be a slide up there, I think, soon at some stage. Luke 6, 46 to 49. It is the wise and foolish builders. A lot of feedback going on there. Um, It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. I just want to look at some ways that we can build a firm foundation. I'm just going to look at three simple things tonight that will help us build a firm foundation in our life. Ways that we can live out our faith in a real practical way. Three things that will strengthen your relationship to Jesus and strengthen your relationship to each of us in this community of believers here. See, I'm a believer in the full gospel message. I believe that Jesus was all man and all God. He lived that perfect life on this earth with no sin. He paid the, paid the price for mankind to restore that broken relationship uh, back to God. And then he demonstrated his power and authority by raising from the dead to show us that eternal life was possible. I believe that Jesus is our firm foundation and that he is the way, the truth and the life. But I want to show you some things tonight that will help you build that foundation to put your trust into Jesus and practical things that you can do in your life. So tonight, it's like a few tasty morsels that you might chew on tonight. They're not, it's not the, you must do this and nothing else. It's sort of to give you some things. It's like the dessert bar at Sizzler. Any Sizzler fans here? You can go and choose to take of these things that I speak about tonight, or you can choose to pass it by. But I think that if you apply these things to your life and your faith, you will see a practical difference in how you live out your faith. So tonight, the three things that I'm going to talk on are obedience, having an eternal perspective, and encouragement. I really love that picture. Hey, have you seen that one before? I worry about this guy. It looks like that wave is going to wrap around and wash him off. <laughs> yeah, but it, that's, that's a firm foundation. So f- to start with obedience, we see that in that reading that um, I did from Luke. It says... Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And this is a good question. Why is it that we don't often do what we know God wants us to do? There are many reasons and excuses that we all give from time to time, but it just comes down to trust in the end. I was reading this verse in 1 Samuel recently, 1 Samuel 5.22, and it's Samuel talking to King Saul. Saul was asked to go and do a job for God. And he went and did part of it, but he didn't do the whole thing, what God wanted him to do. And Samuel comes to him and he says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? 
To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And this is the common theme through the Bible. In the very first few chapters of the Bible, we see because of disobedience, sin entered the world, and we live under that curse, and we'll live under it until Jesus returns again. But the thing that God loves, and you can see this, I was reading over Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a chapter all about the great men and women of faith in the Bible. And the one thing that God loves in all of these people is that they obeyed him. They didn't just say, I believe, but they, they went forth in action and obeyed. I won't go through all of them because then the sermon will go on for another hour or so if I go through the whole book of, um, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11. But have a look at it yourself sometime. There is a connection between belief, obedience and faith. Faith. Belief alone is not enough. We know that verse in James 2 where it says even the demons believe in Jesus and shudder. You know, the demons probably have better theology than a lot of us here. They understand the gospel message very well, but belief is not enough. Belief can lead to faith, but it's not faith on its own. And faith should lead to action. And action based in obedience is what faith really is. We're not robots. God lets us choose how much we allow him to work in our life. He lets us choose how much faith that we put into action. But uh, we need to have action in order for faith to be realised. And I was thinking about this and praying about it and how do you demonstrate sort of what is the difference between belief, belief and faith. And I had this picture of a ladder. And if you could picture, have you got that ladder picture there? Yeah. Like if there was a ladder that went from here to the roof, you know, I could stand in front of you and preach all day about how great this ladder is, how strong it is. I've read the manual. I know it inside and out. I know the weight restrictions of that ladder. I know that it's going to take me to the roof. But faith is not put into practice until that moment where I actually put my weight upon the ladder and start to climb. Belief and faith are two totally different things. And we need to move from having just belief and to have faith in God. But faith in itself is not a thing that you can see or measure or understand unless there's some sort of action involved in it. And uh, to illustrate this, I was thinking about children. Have you got that next picture? And I, my wife asked me to make sure I made this very known. This is not any of my children's rooms. This is a picture off the internet. This is not my house. It, sometimes my house may resemble this, but uh, that is not. <laughs> but you just think about this in terms of you know, obedience. If this was Sarah's room and I said to Sarah, hey, this is a bit of a mess, Sarah. You need to go clean that up. If she walks down the hallway, goes into a room, closes the door, I think, great, you know, she's gone to do it. Go around my business, go back in an hour's time and open the door and it still looks exactly like that. Has she been obedient? But she might come to me and goes, you know what? I've done an assignment on cleaning my room. I've got a thousand words I've written down. I've gone through all the reasons why I should clean my room and all the things I need to do to clean my room. And I've got this assignment and I've written a song as well. I've got this great song about cleaning my room and I've been singing it and I'd like to sing it to you now, you know, it's a, it's a great cleaning song. And also next week, do you want me to sing the song? I was trying to think of the Mary Poppins song. There's one there, isn't there? But, and she's also said, you know, next week we're going to get together with all my friends and we're going to do a word study on the Latin word clean, just to make sure we really understand what the word clean means. See, this is often what we do with biblical truths. We do all this other stuff around it, but we don't get to the heart of what God is saying to us. Faith requires obedience. It doesn't require words or just knowledge. Faith requires action. 
And I think too often we see this. We see belief, but no action or obedience. And even in my own life over the years, I've seen myself do this. It's just so easy to fall in the pattern of trying to understand God, but not necessarily living out what he's saying to you. And over this year in particular, where I've gone through some hard times and stuff, I'm really proud of myself for being fully committed to what Jesus wants me to do, no matter what the cost. And that has been a hard thing to do. It's, not a, it's easy to sing about faith and to talk about faith, but when, it's, when it costs you something, that's when it's really hard to do. But you know, the thing that I've found is when you are faithful, when you step out in faith, when you live that life and choose to make it, take a step of faith, that's when you see God work. You can sit back and pray for the ability to heal or to prophesy, but it's not until you actually take a step of faith to step forward in that that you'll actually see God work. And that's the deep truth that has become so real to me. The more we live out our faith, the more we see God act. In Hebrews 11, in that great chapter, in talking about Enoch, this guy who was so faithful, God took him from the, um, the earth. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. When we act in faith, he moves. Our faith and our actions have to be interlocked together. And I'm so glad that God is so good and that he does act in those times. So in saying all of that, that's the head knowledge stuff, I just want to give you some practical ways that you can put obedience into practice. To break it down, I've just done three things. There's a multitude of things that you could look at yourself. But these are three things that I think would help if all of us did this then we would see God moving and um, doing things in our lives more. And the first is really obvious. The first one is obviously know the word of God. This is essential for us as Christians. The, the word of God has to be central in our life. You know, it talks about in the Bible, in Hebrews 4, it says the Bible is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It's, it's so necessary for us to know what the word of God says. And this is how God, the main way God speaks to us there's other ways that God speaks to us, which we'll look at soon, but this is the main way that he speaks to us. You know, in the Hebrew culture, as they um, went through life, they'd tie it on themselves and they'd memorise it, and the children were required to memorise at least the first five books of the Bible. And when the, when the word of God is in you, then God has room to work. That word is existing inside of you, and God can use that to transform you and mould you into um, what he wants for you into the future. And it says in Second Timothy as well that um, the word of God is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And that is why it is so imperative that we get into the word of God. And while I've got that in my thought pattern, for all of those who are part of our church reading plan, and if you're not a part of it, come and talk to me or James after. This week we transition over to the next plan on Thursday, I think it is. So if you are part of that plan, just make sure you check with us or check your, um, your message. So... We're reading the Bible together. For anyone who's interested, feel free to jump onto that. We're going to go through Acts next. So get into the Word of God. That's the first thing you can do to be obedient to God. Know His Word and then do what it says. The next thing I want to talk about is, and I harp on about this all the time, is active listening. And actually, the fact that I talk about active listening is something that I've, I've actually put active listening into, into practice because I learned this from, I think it was Charles Stanley on on Radio Rima at one stage, that it's so important. How the Holy Spirit often works in our life is in a moment when you're listening to a teaching or reading a word or hearing a song or engaging in worship, the Holy Spirit will hit you right in your heart. He will say to you, 
There's something you need to change or that you need to look at this or there's this thing in your life that you need to change. That's when the Holy Spirit works. And if we're actively listening, and by active listening, I mean, are you prepared? Are you ready? When you come into a sermon or if you're at home listening to YouTube teachings, are you got your journal there ready, ready to write something down when the Holy Spirit hits you? Because so often I think we get inspired in a great teaching, in a great lesson, in a great song. The Holy Spirit hits us. But then we let that moment pass. It's gone. It's out the window, fluttering away because we didn't take that moment right then to jot it down, to put it in your phone and notes and, and go back to it later or, or do the action right there. A lot of people, I probably felt it then myself. I probably should have come forward for prayer when we had the prayer time here. I'm going through hard times. And you, you resist the spirit, but that's the moment when you've got to obey and step forward. And that's how another way that we can obey God is when... In, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, when we hear that inner voice inside of us tell us something, do it. Do it right then and there. And the last one is a bit similar to that one. It's about hearing God. So God speaks to us through the word. God speaks to us as we go about our day. And it's, again, that Holy Spirit thing. But in these instances, I don't know if any of you have ever felt that, where you've been in the shops and he says, there's someone behind you, you know, you need to talk to that person. Or you notice someone who's looking down, who doesn't normally look down, and God says, you need to talk to that person. You know, God speaks to us all throughout the day, and we've got to get better at acting on those things and not just thinking, oh, someone else will do that, you know, or, oh, they'll be okay, I'm, I'm a no one. You know, I've had low self-esteem my whole life, and I often think that the people don't want to hear from me, but if everyone thinks that, then no one gets talked to from God. You know? So we need to listen to God. We need to be ready to act when God tells us to and to do those things, even if it feels uncomfortable. I know Paul shared a story recently. I hope you don't mind me sharing that, Paul. But God told him to go and pray for this guy. And he went in faith and did it. And the guy didn't allow it. But I just love the obedience of someone who, who's willing to step out, hear God, and go and do that. And you don't know the impact that might have had later on, just that someone thought about him and, and did that. And I think we underestimate the power of prayer is the other thing, that yeah. take the time to pray for that person because there's so much power in prayer. I was listening to this story this week of a... He's a minister now, but when he was a, a child or youth in youth group, he was sort of fluctuating and, and not following God well. And his youth leader encouraged him over his summer break, because in America they have the three-month summer break, to every day go to his school, walk around it and pray for your school. And he saw a revival in his school from his actions. It's just, yeah, just from following God and, and ready to go there. There's a power in prayer that we underestimate and we have to get into it more. On Wednesday mornings, Charlene and Bob host a prayer meeting here. If you want to see the power of prayer, come and be a part of that. <clears throat> it's the best thing you can do. If you want to see um, God advance in this town, we need to get on our knees a bit more and, and come before God. So to summarise, I'm just going to say what James 1.22 says. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And apply that not only to the word, but to the Holy Spirit. And when God speaks to you throughout the day, do what it says. Read the word of God. Be, pre be prepared to act when you hear or feel the Holy Spirit leading you to do things. So the first thing that you can do to build a firm foundation is to obey God. It's so important. And the next point is having an eternal perspective. And I just wanted to start this point by just going through these verses. So the first one's in Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of the, of the earth. 
as we look into the things, this next one, 2 Corinthians 4, 18, are they up there? They are good. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And more and more, I'm, I'm feeling that. I just see the stuff of this earth and it has so much less appeal to me the closer I get to God. And Philippians 3, <clears throat> brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me, I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards that goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Jesus Christ. I might just have a drink. My throat's a bit dry. Living with eternity in mind is the easiest way, but sorry, the wisest way to live. An eternal perspective keeps us from chasing empty dreams and material gratification. It keeps us from wasting our years pursuing temporal things that we can't take with us when we die. And this week I've been reading, you know, you've heard of Blaise Pascal, the 16th century um, child prodigy who could do everything. He's like one of those Leonardo da Vinci guys who could do anything he put his mind to. He had that idea of the God-shaped vacuum. I think I might even have the quote there. I just love this quote. You can have a read of that, but the basic premise of it is that there's this void inside of us. It's been there since the fall because God created us to need God. That's that thing inside of us. And there's this constant dissatisfaction that, that exists in society. And all of us, I think, we feel this from time to time, that nothing quite can fill it. We, we search after these momentary times of happiness and we get those sometimes with a, a good time but they can just fade so quick and our souls long for something deeper and more fulfilling but nothing on this earth can fill that. And I read a C.S. Lewis book and he had a similar idea and it's what led him to faith. There's this feeling of joy that he wants. He just desired this joy and he knew it was there. It was just like just out of, out of reach. It was just in front of him but he could never find it. And he said it pointed to something greater than what is to offer here on the earth. It's pointing to God. And that's what's existing in this world. There's this vacuum that inside of us that can only be filled by God ourselves. And we try to fill it with all sorts of things. And in this world, you'll see that there's alcohol, pleasure, money, sexual gratification. People fill it with um, their job. They get so into their job that they give over everything else to it. Study, filling it with materialism, whatever it is. But it only lets you escape for a while. You know, that will never give you full satisfaction. It fades away. It's only momentary. And that nagging hole sits there longer and longer. And we are called to have eternal eyes, to look up, to see God, and not have our mind and our eyes on these things of the world that don't fill that spot. We are eternal beings, but we're called to live this mortal life for a time. And that's where that conflict exists. The world and its ways will not fill that hole. Consumerism, selfishness is, is rampant in our society. But we need to have our eyes up on God. And we're all touched by that. We're all influenced by it. We all think we're great logical thinking people and we just make our logical decisions and nothing influences us. But that's our lie. That's why marketing is so powerful. We're so easily manipulated. And, and companies know that and they lead us down a, um, a garden path. And that's why it's so important for us to have our eyes up. And I was away last week. I went away with the family to Woodgate and God gave me this, I wouldn't call it a vision, it was just this picture. Have, you, have we got that picture up of the rubbish dump? I think I put one up there. Have you seen those rubbish dumps, particularly in like third world countries? And 
and people are picking through it. They often have the, the slums that just off it. And they're going through this dump and they're looking for anything of value that they can use in their day-to-day lives or something they might be able to sell on, you know, broken jewellery and money and coins and bits of wood, tin, whatever. And they, this is the picture God gave me for what our life is like on earth often. We're, we're in this earth and we're going through all these things and, oh, look at this job and, oh, a nice house on a beach. And, but it's all just the rubbish that's around us. And just on the horizon, just up over the top of this rubbish dump, there's this beautiful um, it's not a resort, it's a, a, a property. It's beautiful looking green grass. It's, it's just beautiful up there and it's for us. It's just over this rubbish dump. But too often we're just down here in this rubbish dump looking through the, the garbage, trying to fill ourselves with the stuff of this world. When if we just lift our eyes up and look and God has given us a helper to get through this. We don't even have to do this on our own. The Holy Spirit is there to help us and guide us through this earth to keep our eyes up on, on what's ahead and moving forward to the thing that will fill you, that will fill that void inside of you, that will um, give you that lasting fulfilment that all our soul desires. And I am so committed to keeping my eyes above the rubbish dump of this earth and to fix my eyes on God and to walk out my faith in a way that now enables me not to get stuck in this. And we still do from time to time. It's easy to see a fancy thing that you want and, and that desire comes and your eyes start falling down, oh, I want this thing. But um, we, we need to encourage each other to lift our eyes up and to strain forward for what he wants for us. And tonight I'm trying to make everything in these points practical. So I'm going to hit the practical things now about how do you keep um, an eternal perspective. And the first thing you need to do is to pri- prioritise intimacy with God, to make seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness a mantra for your life go for intimacy with God choose to spend time with him every day like in the prayer in the Bible study whatever it is just to think of him Smith Wigglesworth is the guy I've been reading a lot about lately and he had that mantra that I only pray for 20 minutes but I never go 20 minutes without praying and when you develop that sort of intimacy you can't help but have your eyes fixed on Jesus you know fixed on the thing that is above that rubbish dump of this earth and we've got to build that into ourselves and encourage it in each of us. You know, it's my job as your Christian brother to help you go deeper with God and to pursue that relationship, that intimacy with God. And the second thing we need to do is build Christian community, not like a commune. We don't have to sell our stuff and go buy a, a block of land somewhere and build a commune out there, but we need to develop community. Church has become too often in our society this thing you do on a Sunday. When we say church, people think of this thing we're doing here right now on a Sunday night. This is only the church service. You guys are the church and it's how we live out our lives together. It's how we encourage each other. I regularly read Acts and I love the fact that we're an Acts 2 Alliance church but in Acts 2 and in Acts 4, at the end of both of those chapters, you'll read these beautiful little glimpses of what a community of believers can be. And this is just after Jesus left and the disciples were fully on fire and you just see them having this deep love for each other and a commitment to follow God no matter what. They didn't consider anything their own. They're willing to sell anything to help a brother or sister out if they were in need. And You just see a heart for a sort of community that I think is a longing in many of us that we want to see. You know, Instead of living the selfish lives that the world throws at us where we're each in an isolated island in our little block of land living our, our life out, to be interconnected, to encourage and and involved in each other's lives and pushing each other on 
to the goal at the end of our life, the, the place that we're meant to be with him in, in eternity. And the third thing we need to do, and this is underestimated and, and is so important, to live an examined life. Look at why you do what you do. Don't just react and go through life just constantly reacting. Stop and consider, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why are my values that I say that I'm, I have, am I living up to those with my actions? And that's something Trish and I have tried so much to do through our entire life. We took into consideration things like when pirating movies was a big thing, we had to make that choice. Do you just do what everyone else does or do you go, you know, that is actually wrong, that is stealing. We want to teach our kids the right thing. And it's about stopping and evaluating. Am I living the principles that I say and am I showing that to my children? And we did that with, with all of the, the stuff in our life. And, and it's so important to have that moment regularly where you stop and evaluate and look at your life and see, am I living these values that I say that I'm living? So to summarise, I'd just like to read one of my favourite two verses in the Bible. It comes from Hebrews again. Maybe Hebrews is my favourite book. I just keep quoting it tonight. <laughs> Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and this was the verses just after the big book of, um, the big chapter about all the men and women of faith that have gone before us. So since we're surrounded by these great witnesses who have lived their faith out and now are watching us, let us throw off everything that hinders us and that sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So to build a firm foundation, we've got to be obedient. We have to do what God says, listen to him when he talks in our life. And we need to fix our eyes, get our eyes up and have an eternal perspective and get our eyes off this world that is momentary and passing. And I just had a thought then that when we did the trip to Quilpie, we stayed at Chinchilla, and opposite Chinchilla's a graveyard, and the kids and I went for a walk there on our way home. And it just again reminded me that this life is really short. <laughs> and most of those people in that graveyard are going to spend more time under there than above there, you know. And, and we think this earth is going to go, that our lives will go on forever, but the reality is, is it's not. And we put so much time and effort into just the accumulation of possessions and money. It's, that, that stuff doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah, we've got to get our eyes off that and, and start looking up more, I think. And the final thing I want to talk about tonight is encouragement. And this is a funny one because you, I'm talking about building a firm foundation and you think, uh, how does encouraging someone else, because I'm talking about how to encourage other people, not, not me encouraging you or God encouraging you. It's about you um, looking outside of yourself and encouraging others. And it builds a firm foundation because it's the attitude that's behind it. We've got to get out of selfishness. We've got to get out of just thinking about ourselves and we've got to look at other people and start considering the others. And this is so important to me. After the year that I've had, encouragement and the, and the, um, and the value of it has really shined out to me. I've lost a job that I love, done it for 23 years, and it's felt like it's just taken from me due to a belief that I held. And that's affected me mentally, physically, psychologically, and over this year, I've had heaps of stress and pressure placed upon me. It just feels like a, a weight that's sat on top of me the entire year. It's been a really hard year. But I've experienced this power of encouragement. And that, in a large part, is due to so many of you here. You have no idea how much it means when you're going through a hard time 
to have people encourage you and to lift you up, to give you hope when you are feeling down. <clears throat> Not meant to cry. <clears throat> Generally, I think we underestimate the power of encouragement, but I can testify that it's so important. I, like Aaron, are you here tonight? Like Aaron, I just ran into him at Woolworths a little while ago, like a couple of, probably a month ago, maybe now. But it's just funny that just in that time when I was feeling my lowest, to bump into someone and he just gave the right word at the right time to make me walk away feeling a lot better about what was happening. And Graham, with, um, on the worst day when I got handed my letter saying they're going to fire me, to have a good man of God speak into my life and just give me some solid truths at that time was enough to just, uh, just show you that there is a way forward, that there is a hope that is ahead. And uh, the small group, on the, I think that was the night when I, I got that letter, I just felt so down. I tried to go to my small group and and be the encouragement for others, but I just felt so down. And they, um, they saw it that night and they prayed for me, and I, I can tell you the difference that it made. I walked out of there so much lighter that night. When I wrote it, I wasn't emotional at all. It's funny. <laughs> ah, bizarre. And even last week, like Alan and Brett, who come to the other small group that we do here, just to, to give a word of encouragement in the right time, it just means so much. <clears throat> Don't underestimate the power of encouragement. It is so necessary in this world where so often everything in this world is against what we believe. The world is pushing an agenda that is so contrary to what the Word of God says. And we have to be an encouragement to each other to continue on that path that God wants us to. And the best thing that we can do is encourage each other on that journey. So uh, I think I've got a few ways. What's the next slide? I forgot where I'm up to. Oh, okay, yep, so be an encourager. So here's some ways that we can be an encourager. The non-verbal, first of all, I've gone through Job recently and the one thing his friends did right we criticise them so much, but they sat there for seven days and seven nights and not said a word to him and were just there for him. And this is something that we can easily do. We often think we don't know what to say or don't know what to do when someone's going through a hard time. Just be there. Give them a hug. It's such an easy thing that we can do to be an encouragement to someone. Look after them. And the next thing's the obvious, all the verbal stuff that we do. It's about noticing what's going on in someone's life. If they're doing something well, Tell them they've done something well. If God often works this way where he'll bring someone to mind. I don't know if you feel that, but I've had it a lot. And if, if you get that, if you get that time when God puts someone in your mind, turn that thought into a prayer. Right then, stop and pray. And, and then send a text to them and tell them that you've prayed for them. Those things in themselves will do a lot for the other person and for your faith as you see God start acting through your prayers. And the last thing is an attitude. Develop an attitude in yourself of an encourager. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. And that's, that's the heart of why encouraging can build a firm foundation because you're, it's getting your eyes off yourself, it's putting your eyes onto other people and recognising God in them. <clears throat> and uh, I know 
tonight we had that, that prayer down here and, and those people came forward. You could see that there's hard things going on in people's lives, but I bet you that there's other people out there too who had a lot of other hard things going on in their life and it didn't come forward like me. <laughs> and I'm sure there's other people too. Statistically speaking, I know that right now there'd be people in this place who have relationship issues, that have got things going on with their, their partner, their family, their children. There's separation, divorce, all sorts of things going on here. And they're hard things. They're hard things. <clears throat> I bet you there's people going in here right now with addictions to drugs or alcohol or gambling or whatever it is. You know, these, these are hard things that we go through in our life and we often feel alone in those. And even worse, we isolate ourselves because we're embarrassed by those things. I bet you there's people in here suffering loneliness, have no connection, desiring friendships, but feeling alone and living their life alone day by day, week by week. There's people in here, I know this one, because in the ambulance I saw it all the time, anxiety and stress and depression. <clears throat> I'll guarantee in here there would be a bunch of people struggling with some of those things right now and other health issues that we saw, like thankfully God healed Peter, but I bet you there's a lot of other people struggling with health things in their life right now and work stuff like myself. And I know just recently, I know Amanda spoke about it, she's had one of the hardest times that she had in, in her work life, you know, and Graham and I and Trish, we've all had hard times and we have to be the encouragement for each other because the world's not going to do it, no one else is going to do it. And people often think the leaders in the church or those upstanding Christians, oh, they'll be all right, they don't need encouragement, they need encouragement. And, and we've got to get better at that. We've got to look after our leaders in this place and make sure that they are doing okay. What is the next one? Did I put all those verses up? Let's go to the next slide. Oh, okay, no, that's the end. That's all right. I can start wrapping it up now. If the band want to come back up. What I desire for us to do is to go deep with God, to build a firm foundation for each of us and to live this Christian life in a way that we can encourage each other on the journey, to be obedient to God, to keep our eyes up on the prize that's ahead of us and to be an encouraging congregation that lives out love. So uh, I hope you can take some of those things home. We're going to sing a song.